are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, mate? I am doing well. I'm doing well, Jeff. Uh, thanks uh, Thanks for asking. Yeah, no, it's a... Uh, you know, people don't know when we publish these things, but we're uh, we're recording this one the day after the U.S. presidential election, so we're we're still a little in the dark here. And <laughs> yeah, everybody, uh, you know, it's one of those days when there's it's the one thing that's being talked about. So, but look, deep. when we publish this, it'll be a it while from decided. now, and yeah. uh, it should yeah. be decided. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, looking forward to our guest, a, a repeat guest that we've had on the show. Um, and uh, has provided a lot of really interesting perspectives on ma- on manufacturing and uh, you know the digital side of things, the digital and, transformation of manufacturing, yeah. basically, and, and smart factories. And I, um, you know, I, I'm excited for today's guest. I think it's a nice opportunity for our listeners to almost, in some ways, step back from just the marketing silo, if you will, mm-hmm. and kind of, um, uh, I guess, become a bit more synchronized with. Um, the the broader conversations about digital transformation that are happening yeah. uh, within manufacturing and just help them potentially even place their work in that context. I think it's helpful. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, and it's always fun to talk with a smart guy. And Paul, joining us today, is uh, certainly meets that definition. Yeah. So please introduce. Yeah. Sure. So joining us today is uh, Paul Wellner from Deloitte. Paul is the vice chairman of U.S. Industrial Products. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Paul. Well, Jeff and Carmen, glad to be back and look forward to the conversation today and uh, and getting a chance to talk about uh, digital and smart and all things manufacturing for your group. Yeah, and uh, look, the last time we chatted, I think, um, I don't know if we recorded uh, in person in we Chicago. Did, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah we did, right, yep. Obviously, we live in a different world these days, um, and uh, so we don't get to uh, eat the Chicago deep dish as we interview. But... Um, the uh, this is part of our ongoing uh, partnership with Maypie, and uh, yeah, uh, and um, which we should highlight. And, and I know uh, Paul Deloitte has a, a long standing relationship with Maypie, and and part of that is that you've um, uh, an, on an annual basis now for a few years have been um, really digging into um, uh, more research and insights around um, of smart factories and digital transformation of manufacturers. Can you kind of introduce us to that work and in, in, in this year's study? Yeah, glad to. And, uh, you know, taking a little bit of step back uh, in history, this is our fourth uh, study that we've done with Maypie. Um, you know, even going back a few years ago, uh, our research that we did with them that may not have kind of culminated in a study was all around, you know, kind of things smart and digital. If, if we kind of just go back to last year's study that you mentioned when we were together at the manufactured event in Chicago, Though I don't remember the deep dish pizza, but uh, I do remember sitting kind of in the, you know, in the back room uh, behind the scenes and uh, and having the series of uh, uh, podcasts that we all did. We had a study that was uh, focused on the smart factory. And in that study, we introduced the notion of what we called the eight great use cases and how these use cases were being implemented by a set of manufacturers who we called trailblazers. They were the leading manufacturers, uh, you know, across the 600 or so respondents that we had last year on a global basis in the study that we did jointly with Maypie. And we talked about some of the characteristics of the those trailblazers and how they approach smart manufacturing, how they organized around it, how they thought about it, how they connected it 
you know, strategically to business objectives, et cetera. So there was a lot of kind of nuance in how programs were structured. This year, you know, the, the study, uh, you know, and here we are, you know, we, we, we planned the study, you know, back last winter, early spring ahead of the pandemic. And obviously then we launched the study this summer in the midst of COVID-19 and the pandemic. And I think the topic that we picked, which was focused around ecosystems and ecosystems as an accelerator inside of a smart factory or a kind of a digital organization really was fortuitous because I think in the, you know, in the world of, you know, the pandemic, I think it's, you know, and our respondents shared this as well, that it's even more important to be a connected organization and it's more important to be connected to your partners, these 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 ecosystems that take place, whether they're kind of inside the four walls of your organization or they extend outside the four walls of your organization and how to leverage those ecosystems across the the use cases. So, you know, it's another step as you guys have had a partnership with Maypi for a number of years, as have we. Uh, it's another step kind of in the process as we continue to define, you know, for our clients, you know, the the notion of smart factories and, you know, what it means to be successful in implementing them. Let's just put a, a little bit of, um, I think maybe just highlight maybe one of the eight great use cases just to give our listeners a bit of, you know, kind of something to grab onto there and make sure everybody's on the same page. When you okay. say that. Eight great use cases of, of smart factory, uh, for smart factory adoption. Maybe just an example. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple examples, Carmen. So, you know, one might be uh, asset intelligence. So the connectedness of devices inside the factory and how they communicate with each other and how they communicate with control towers, uh, how they might communicate with the supply base or how they might communicate with ecosystem partners on the customer side of things. So. Factory asset intelligence and connected devices is one set of use cases. You know, another set of use cases might be around uh, energy management uh, and the consumption of energy inside of a plant. Uh, energy has become, as we've continued to focus on greening our manufacturing facilities, whether it's zero waste landfills or utilizing less energy or utilizing energy in a more efficient fashion, that's become another use case, you know, this this notion of kind of plant energy consumption and energy management as a use case. And then there's others that kind of go down the product path or the quality path or material handling or other dimensions. But, you know, these eight have really kind of bubbled up to be the ones that uh, really resonated with people in last year's study. We, we probably identified, you know, 40 or 50 different capabilities last year. And as we kind of got the respondents to identify which ones of those were most important, that's what kind of drove us down the path of, you know, kind of eight great use cases that defined for us and Deloitte what smart manufacturing was. And in prepping the new study that, that you that you did, you know, you really saw that there there were four primary ecosystems in terms of the smart factories and smart manufacturing and that really helped to support those eight great you know, use cases that you're just talking about. Can you can you dive into what those are and and how they're interconnected? Sure. And I, I guess I would start with maybe two things. One, a little bit definitionally on ecosystems, because I think Good idea. you know the 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 listeners may not have kind of a common definition of what an ecosystem is. 
you know, so for us, you know, it is a, it's formed when different entities come together in meaningful ways to solve shared challenges and meet shared objectives. So shared is a word that we emphasize there uh, across both the challenges and the objectives. And it's when entities from different places come together. So it's not different business units inside the same organization. It really is different kind of external parties coming together to focus on those shared challenges and shared objectives. And what we learned in the study in August is that 90% of the manufacturers surveyed, and that was now over 850 manufacturers this year. So we had many more responses this year than we did last year, you know, talked about the growing importance of ecosystems to solving their business challenges. So kind of maybe back to the, the four kind of archetypes, if you will, of, uh, of ecosystems. There's absolutely a manufacturing ecosystem. So focused inside the four walls of the facility. There's a supply chain oriented ecosystem. So how do you extend beyond, you know, the four walls of the facility kind of out into your supply base? And that can take on a lot of different either IT or operational technology or, you know, or cloud or analytics kinds of uh, uh, approaches, but it pulls into the supply base. There's a talent ecosystem that supports both the supply as well as the manufacturing ecosystem. And because, you know, we as manufacturing organizations, frankly, we as a professional services organization, we, none of us can hire all of the right people to have them, you know, at the right time where we need them, you know, to kind of at the point of attack. It's almost like, you know, back in the days of lean manufacturing, it was right part, right place, right time. Now we have to think about how do we get talent to the right place at the right time. And many times manufacturers aren't able to do that with their own talent, but they can use an ecosystem partner's talent as well. So we think about talent as an ecosystem. And lastly, and maybe interesting to your group is the customer facing ecosystem. So how do these uh, manufacturers and their smart factories connect into the aftermarket, connect into user groups, connect into dealer distributor networks, even connect into the retail, you know, channels to be able to provide feedback back into kind of manufacturing and the supply chain that could be helpful to uh, continuing to develop, you know, smart capabilities. I, I think I think it's really interesting because it helps to break down the the different components that make up, you know, all of modern manufacturing. You know, you have all of these different components that are coming together and they're all beginning to be connected in some way, shape or form. And people are starting to see the benefit of connecting those things and connecting the organizations that support them and that they support in turn. Um, which of the of the four ecosystems in, in working with uh, the respondents that you had is the most, where are we seeing the most gain? I guess, and, you know, or perhaps even just the most focus or activity yeah, at this yeah. point. I wonder. Yeah. Well, let me, let me deal with the focus part first, uh, Carmen. And, you know, when we did a polling question two weeks ago with the, uh, the Maypi group at manufactured, uh, 54% of the respondents focused on the production or manufacturing ecosystem as the place where there was the most activity. Uh, the customer facing side was just under a quarter. So 23% of the respondents focused on the customer side of things, 15% on supply chain and 10% on talent. Um, I think that adds close to a hundred. Uh, but uh, frankly, surprising to me was 
how low talent rated with that group. Now, I don't know if that was because the audience was very much a manufacturing-oriented audience, and they were all very focused on how do I get things to connect inside the four walls of the factory. But I personally think, you know, as you become a, uh, like the words we used in 2019, a trailblazer, you begin to see that the importance of talent and the ever-increasing importance of talent, you know, to make your ecosystem, particularly enabling the other three ecosystems with the talent ecosystem. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample abm yeah yeah i i agree with you because of course you know talent challenges has been a key focus in a number of areas of manufacturing and uh and actually as you described it, paul i mean it almost sounded a bit like you know, almost like the the hollywood uh, studio model <laughs> if you will like you know you call in the you know when you talk about the yeah. right talent you know, at the right time yeah um anyway that i don't know if that and obviously, they, the talent has a role to play in every single other part yeah, of the other yeah. three ecosystems. The so. one the other part that surprised me about Paul was this, the lack of um, emphasis on supply chain. Just given uh, the year of COVID-19 and uh, a, a number of significant uh, <laughs> supply chain disruptions as a result, I just would have thought that might have been uh, uh, more on people's minds as well. You know, that that's a good uh, observation. I think, you know, the counter to that is that because of the year of COVID, people have spent so much time, you know, in their own factories, thinking about social distancing, thinking about kind of relaying out facilities to be able to make people safe because safety has remained, you know, a number one priority for manufacturers across the world. So it, it might have been a little bit of that where they were focused on their own safety and their own worker health and getting their own house in order before you're kind of pushing out into the supply chain. Again, this was the, you know, kind of a July, August survey. Uh, so you, if you kind of put yourself in the mindset of the respondents, they may have been very focused on that. We know longer term supply chain is absolutely where the action is going to be um, because of the connectedness to the smart factories. And one of the things that we're seeing as a macro level trend, and this is Frankly, before China and before COVID, we're seeing a macro level trend of more supply chains becoming aligned, I'll say geographically, with their customers, right? So instead of a, a manufacturer in the US with US customers, you know, having, you know, component parts coming from Southeast Asia or China, they're thinking much more about in America's supply chain. Mm-hmm. Just like in Europe, they're thinking about and cost is always important, but they're thinking about how can I have low cost components that I'm not flying around the world or shipping around the world? How can I get them you know, aligned with a, a North Africa supply chain, an Eastern Europe supply chain, whatever it might be? So we're seeing more of that taking place kind of across the board. Yeah, it's interesting to think about that in the context of uh, 
uh, of the evolving uh, China situation. Previous yeah, guest Robert had uh, on, who, Atkinson, yeah, yeah, um, who I I believe also spoke at. Maip- he, he did, yeah, specifically um, around the Chinese supply chain model and how a lot of North American manufacturers were moving those goods to Mexico to get them closer yeah, to America, yeah. even if they weren't going to be bringing them into the country. Yeah, it's also I'm reminded of a, a more local Canadian manufacturer. We. Uh, interviewed on the show uh, who uh, talked about getting one uh, component of fenders, I think, or uh, for uh, trailers that they manufactured. Uh, they used to get them out of uh, China, and now they're getting them out of the UK <laughs> at, um, uh, for, for less money, <laughs> like, yeah. like, uh, like 70% of the cost. It's just you wouldn't think that you're going to go to the UK for a low-cost supply chain. But, you know, it, so there's reduced risk there, especially if you're Canadian trading with the UK, um, well, it all also, part of the Commonwealth, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, it, it also does kind of speak to this idea of, of expanding, expanding the other entities that you interact with within that ecosystem to not just all be coming from one place, you know, and you're having more and more people come together to, to bring that together. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting kind of risk-based element of ecosystems, right? It's, it's the don't put all your eggs in one basket approach to an ecosystem, right? Think about, you know, how you kind of get ecosystem partners that, uh, that balance a lot of the needs that you have, including, you know, a potential geographic, you know, risk component. Uh, Paula, you know, speaking of risk, I mean, um, as you've looked at this and and you've looked at the adoption of ecosystem approaches as being key to driving competitive advantage and and, uh, accelerating um, the success of these trailblazers that you've identified, um, you know, as, as the, the evidence, I guess, piles up in favor of that, I'd be curious, like, what risks are out there for manufacturers in investing in these ecosystems? I mean, what is either holding them back uh, or what risks ought they maybe be um, cognizant of as they move forward? Well, I think if you think about risks, you know, they're, they can come across in a couple different ways. You know, it's more difficult to coordinate, you know, an ecosystem, you know, than it is to do everything yourself. So, you know, if we go back to the days of, uh, you know, the Model T and, you know, the complete verticalization that was going on in the automotive industry, you know, owning steel manufacturing, owning glass, owning everything else, you know, Henry Ford focused on kind of owning all of that to minimize, you know, kind of the challenges associated with an ecosystem. I don't think he was necessarily thinking it that way, but that is truly an element of today's ecosystems because, you know, they're not just in one geography, they are global. They, they take people from all different parts of the, you know, the economy. Again, we get back to the shared, you know, benefits that we're looking for that help keep the ecosystem together. But coordination is definitely, you know, a risk and a challenge. You know, in today's world, data protection and cybersecurity are also top of mind. Uh, how do you keep the data associated with the ecosystem safe and secure and keep it away from the bad guys? And how do you get yourself, you know, connected to partners that feel the same way about things? So that data protection and cybersecurity is definitely a challenge. A third challenge is just getting comfort around sharing of intellectual property, you know, with your ecosystem partners or not sharing, but understanding that you're not sharing certain aspects of, 
intellectual property that are important to you. So, you know, different from data protection and cybersecurity, you know, that, that IP associated with your product or your processes and the theft of that is, or, or, or loss of that is a, you know, is a concern for, you know, many of the survey respondents. And finally, you know, there's a, there's a challenge and a risk associated with just the, the, the skills and capabilities across your footprint, right? You may need different ecosystem partners in Slovenia than you do in Mexico or in China because of capabilities of your organization. Uh, but you also may need, you know, a set of ecosystem players that are going to be part of your team in all locations. So your cloud provider might be, you know, the key ecosystem partner for all of your manufacturing facilities. But if you think about kind of the talent ecosystem, it might be very different in different marketplaces. So I think you have to think about, you know, where your needs are in each of your, you know, geographic locations as well. Paul, well, before we, I'd really like to get into some examples that'll help crystallize the the idea of how these ecosystems work for uh, for connected manufacturers. But before we do that, um, I'd like to dive in. You identified five typical characteristics um, when you have a connected ecosystem approach. Can you talk a little bit about that and uh, and let our uh, listeners know you know what they might be able to expect um, if they do move towards this model? Okay, you know so. Uh... I think the things that that people need to think about in those characteristics are, you know, there's a deliberate set of coordinating elements that need to take place. Uh, there's the shared business objectives that we've talked about, you know, earlier. There's how do you measure the results and measure the impacts, and how do you then have accountability for, you know, your portion of those results you have to also kind of come to grips with the value of the convener. Who is the person who kind of pulls the ecosystems together and that, you know, they, they're able to get value, get paid, if you will, for being the convener. You know, it may not be the manufacturer who actually convenes. It might be one of the, you know, the experts associated with one of those eight great use cases that convenes people to help solve a problem for a manufacturer as they kind of go on their path to a, you know, a smart and digital factory. And then it's got to be that, again, you know, and maybe we've used shared too many times, but in addition to shared business objectives, there has to be shared, you know, outcomes as well. So I'd say those are the, those are the hallmarks uh, of, a, of a deliberately coordinated and balanced, you know, ecosystem. I find, um, you know, uh, increasingly as we talk about uh, you know the the you know risk or the challenge around just um, the challenge of coordination, the complexity of of dealing with that versus having that more command and control. Uh, and and we talk about shared objectives, shared uh, opportunities, shared challenges. It um, I mean it just it best in some way for many of these, or some of manufacturers at least. It's, it's just a I feel like that's the biggest shift is just is the mindset shift is what we're talking about. I mean, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, Paul. But I, no, I think that the mindset shift, shift easy for me to say, the, <laughs> the mindset shift, uh, think about it in terms of change management, uh, maybe an overused word, but managing change is really important. And it starts with that mindset shift of executives or of leaders of the organization that begin to think about how do I 
maximize or optimize the assets that I own by coupling them with assets that I don't own to be able to provide value to my customers, my employees, my communities, and my shareholders. Yeah, it, uh, and, it, again, with, and without the mindset shift, nothing else can happen. <laughs> you know, no, you're not uh, gonna you're not gonna move down this path otherwise. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. I mean, right. It, it's not a bottom up, you know, initiative, right? This is something that clearly starts at the top, starts with a mindset change, and then migrates, you know, throughout the organization. Yeah. So uh, who's doing it, and who's doing it well and interestingly? Well, I'm I'm not able to talk about names of, you know, different organizations, as you might expect. Our clients, you know, don't like to have their names divulged. Uh, but there are definitely lots of organizations that are doing this. Again, as we saw kind of in the survey results, you know, the 90% interest in ecosystems and seeing it as a, you know, a key differentiator, you know, here in the future, you know, other kind of, you know, results, again, across the 850 organizations that we, uh, we surveyed, we saw uh, companies really proclaiming great benefits in the area of new product introductions, uh, in the ability to expand their capacity of innovation. So thinking about how do I innovate just with my own people, but versus, you know, getting the ecosystem to weigh in and help on innovation. And that could be product innovation, process innovation, channel innovation, lots of different innovation topics are accelerated with, uh, with ecosystems. The overall digital maturity of a company if you think about some of the old line manufacturers that sit inside of the industrial uh, you know, portfolio at Deloitte, we have many clients right now that are hiring, quote unquote, chief digital officers. And they're people generally with a differentiated set of experiences that are very, they're digitally native and they are really jumping into old line manufacturing organizations to help drive you know, digital change. And they know they can't get it done themselves, and they see ecosystem partners as a key way to get some of those that digital maturity and digital acceleration to take place inside of organizations and to do it at scale and at pace. The other thing that, you know, the other benefit we see is that, you know, an opportunity to reduce cost. I mean, we are in, you know, a, um, a, a pandemic-driven downturn, and we're still bouncing out of it. We're not back up to the levels of economic performance, you know, even of last fall, but we're definitely making progress from, you know, the from Q2 and Q3 this year, but we've got a ways to go, and there's still a focus on cost in organizations, and, you know, ecosystems can help manufacturers reduce costs as well. So, you know, we're seeing it not in any particular vertical. We're not seeing it in any particular geography. We're seeing leading companies embracing these capabilities in driving forward with their vision to transform their organizations. That's it. Paul, thank you so much for just uh, sharing the, um, the expertise and insight um, that, uh, that that you have with our listeners today. It's, it's just been a, a pleasure to chat this through. I, um, and uh, I, uh, I think it, it was just living a very interesting time, and I can't help but think, um, that so much of what we're seeing um, uh, is going to be accelerated coming out of COVID, and uh, in new ways that we don't even necessarily know yet. Yeah, yeah. I think you're both right. So, uh, so it's, it's just a timely uh, to have you on the show, and uh, and again, thank you for uh, for sharing your insights. Yeah, glad to be here.
Awesome. And we'll we'll link up the report um, from Deloitte that you presented at the Maypie Manufactured Summit uh, as part of the podcast as well. So our listeners can check it out. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.